Hello, I am Zelda Volkov and you are listening to the Oh My God podcast. This is a space where honest conversation and raw interaction takes place. In these 25 minutes, I interview badass trailblazers and industry leaders about the things that they had to overcome to achieve success. The challenges that they faced as human beings first and as industry leaders second, leaving you with actionable techniques and takeaways to implement into your life immediately, taking you from where you are right now to where you want to go. On this episode of the Oh My God podcast, Zelda interviews Hannah and is better known together as the Kinswoman. They talk about their journeys in Judaism, intersectionality, the similarities between the Jewish and Black experiences, and most importantly, how to be an intersectional ally. This important and timely conversation is inspiring and moving, and will leave you with concrete tools to find the anti-racist in you. Now, over to Zelda. So thank you. Thank you both for being here. So excited that you guys are here to spread this awareness for, for me, for my followers, and for anybody that gets to the opportunity to listen. Yeah, I'm excited too. Yeah, well, thank you. And thank you for so much for supporting our podcast. And yes. Adrian, you're the best. Thank you. To, to get us started, if you could take us back individually and then collectively, like where you come from, where your story took you, and how you guys are where you are now. I grew up in Pennsylvania to a Jewish father and a Catholic mother. And I have two younger sisters. We didn't grow up with a lot of money, but I always think I was probably a princess in a past life because I'm very princessy and always wanted this like grand, <laughs> extravagant life for myself. So living in New York is, has really been a, a dream come true. And I've lived here for the past 15 years. My story as it relates to race is I think common of a lot of liberal white people thinking that it was best not to talk about seeing color. It was best to just say, um, I'm colorblind. In my career, I worked in the magazine industry um, in advertising sales. It was super white um, working in kind of like capitalist, largely conservative media companies. It showed me like, you know, just how small-minded, quote unquote, open-minded people could be. My allyship journey started probably when I met my husband, who's a black man, but it, it didn't start when we met. It started like three years into our relationship when I really started to deconstruct the white lens that I'd always been seeing through that I was able to see white supremacy at work in, in structures and systems and myself and my family and my friend groups. And that allyship journey eventually led me to meeting Izu at a talk about race at the wing um, in January of 2019. And now I am very happy to say I no longer work in corporate America. I'm doing this work full-time with Izu. I'm a very happy woman. And my husband and I continue to grow in our journey together and understanding. And it's been a life path I never saw for myself, but I've always been one who's very empathetic, always wants the right thing, always willing to use my voice even though I'm scared. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's very interesting. Um, and it's amazing that you, you know, took your personal story and went basically all in and went, you know, to figure out how you could really not only change yourself, but change others. I think that's amazing. 
Thank you, Zelda. Thank you. Yeah. Well, my, I mean, I'm born in uh, Africa. Uh, I am Rwandan and I grew up to a African mother and Belgian father that is white. And then uh, we moved a bit for the first few years of my life. So like the first five years I was in, we moved from Africa to Belgium and then from Belgium we went we went to Texas for two years and then we went back to the to Europe and I stayed there for my formative years until like 2008 when we decided to come back to the United States. Grew up within, within an interracial family. I, I think I always wanted to have these conversations that we're having with kinswomen. I didn't know how, I didn't know how it would take place or anything, but I just wanted to be able to have these conversations because I just didn't like the way things were talked about. Growing up, I read a lot about race issues. I dived into colonial <laughs> uh, occupation in Africa. I like dived into the civil rights movements in America. So I was like all in when I was like super young. It just pulled me in because I just wanted to understand things. Like to me, it was so many things have happened in our in our world, specifically where I'm from in Rwanda, we've had a genocide. I think I, w I always was so appalled by it and so confused as to how do we get there? And then the, the Holocaust also was like a deep dive into what happened, you know? And then I always remember when growing up forever, I would pray for peace <laughs> in the Middle East. So I would pray for Israel and like in Palestine. And oh, I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand the conflict or anything, but every night I'd pray for peace. So doing this Kinswoman is kind of like a dream come true for me. It's an opportunity to kind of feel like you're touching people's heart on the, it feels very like one-on-one, -on -one, but it's necessary. I think that's the best way you can really reach people is by telling specific stories. As a person, I am right now on a journey of conversion uh, into uh, Judaism. So that's been a really cool, interesting, and self-fulfilling process, you know. How, how did that, how did the, your, your journey through Judaism, and where did that idea come from? How did that, where was the inspiration? I don't know. I was always obsessed with Israel. I was always obsessed with like Judaism without really understanding why. Like in Rwanda, we kind of look like Ethiopians. And so I always made a joke that like, oh yeah, we're like Ethiopian Jews. And like, we just don't know, you know, like to the point where like uh, two years ago, I, I had a DNA 23andMe DNA test because I was like certain that I was Ethiopian. Like some knew, oh, I thought you were going to say you knew you were Jewish. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I, I knew I knew I was Jewish and I knew that like it had to come from like the Ethiopian descendants because like there's Ethiopian Jews. So I was just like, I'm certain that like my family at some point we were Ethiopian Jews. Wow. Forever I was I always said that I was gonna go to Israel and we don't have family there. I didn't know anyone. We had Jewish friends, but they weren't like Israelis. They were just, you know, Jews from Brussels, from Belgium. Two years ago, it was my first trip to Israel. And when I landed, I felt like it like already experienced it. Like it didn't feel like a totally foreign country. It just felt like I was going home. And that's incredible. My ex-husband's wife, she says the same thing that when she she just felt that she was always Jewish. There was something inside her that felt it. And I think that mm -hmm. you can't explain it. It's just, no. it, 
something that you feel and yeah and so when I went the first time it was only 10 days and I was like oh my god like I should dive into actually looking what conversion would mean or like even dive into like learning Judaism and like getting to understand like what's really pulling me in and the more I'm learning and the more everything that I inherently believe in that I can't pinpoint are making sense within Judaism. What would you say um, is your biggest challenge that you're facing now or faced that you overcame, something past or present? I mean, I care so deeply about this topic of bridging the empathy gap between white women and women of color and, and really just white people and people of color and making this, this sounds so broad, but making the world a better place for the people that I love. Sometimes the challenge can just seem that it's, it's too big of a challenge to ever overcome. The challenge is accepting, you know, raising kids in a world where they're seen as other or where they're seen as secondary. The challenge for me is what can, what can I do? How many people can I talk to? And how can I educate myself? The challenge for me feels like it will never be enough, but that doesn't stop me. It can, it can overwhelm me at times. I also feel hope. Yeah. I feel hope in every conversation that Izu and I have and every conversation that I have with a white family member or friend um, or acquaintance that just seems to get it and, and be a little bit further on their journey. But it is, yeah. the work that we do is really hard and it's, it's much harder on Izu than it is on me. I bet, I bet it's really hard. And I bet, and I also know though that the impact that you're creating, even though a lot of times we don't necessarily see the impact that we're creating, especially in the beginning, but that even just planting the seed of awareness in people's minds, even if they're completely not accepting of it at first, or even for a very long time, I think just the fact that you're opening up people to this new idea is huge. And I think it's amazing. And I think it's amazing work, but I bet it's so difficult. Yeah. And I know even where I come from and the, the and why the reason why I wanted you guys to come on here is because I know that a big percentage of my listeners are actually ultra-Orthodox members who, without these types of conversations, would not necessarily be looking up or trying to find or trying to research, even though, you know, recently this whole, the whole BLM movement and all of that definitely made it, made people aware. There's been a lot of pushback, the people where I come from, the community where I come from, where it's like, almost like you're being attacked. So you want to like create your space even stronger. It's like, we didn't do anything wrong. We're not doing anything wrong. We're not doing anything wrong. And mm. you never learn in that type of mindset. You know, you never grow in that mindset. We always say the family is can be the hardest people in your lives to talk to. And I know Izu and I have been wanting to have this conversation for a while about the intersection of, of race and Judaism, because we both have ties to the Jewish community. So thank you for creating this space. It's funny because within Judaism, there's the notion of tikkun olam. And it's like the idea that you cannot stand by something that's being done to someone that's harming another. But it's also a notion that even if you don't finish it, you still have to start it and you still have to stand up and speak up. And I was just like, this is so beautiful. And it's like, if we stick to the religious teachings, we realize that we have the answers in them and it tells us that we need to stand up for one another and the fear of like finishing the work shouldn't be the reason why you don't start the work wow that's amazing that's so true i think my challenge is still lies in 
being able to be in tune with myself, um, deal with the things that trouble me or make me sad or make me upset. Uh, and especially in the midst of this, uh, this moment of like anger, you know, the discrimination, I'm learning to be in both sides because I don't want to feel like I'm in the middle. Like I'm not cutting myself in half for anyone. Like I am black and I am in the Jewish community. In both spaces, I want to be whole. And it's, it's a weird place to be because it's the first time that I'm like there. And then I'm like talking to people from the the Jewish community that are just like, and I have people that are not from the Jewish community that are reaching out to me. Like, how can I speak about anti-Semitism to black people? And like, how can I, and I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> you know? I think I have to be more comfortable with myself so that everything that comes out of me and everything that I do testify to the good that I want to do, if that makes sense. So right. that's like a constant challenge. It's like checking yourself when you're thinking weird or when you're not having the most compassion or you're being angry when you shouldn't be angry. So it's, it's a constant work, self-work. <laughs> yeah, like connecting to ourselves, connecting to our purpose is really sometimes, you know, sometimes if we lose touch with ourselves, we could just, yeah, not, we're not aligned. Like, yeah, 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 every yeah. action, every thought, and collecting. Yeah, yeah it's mm -hmm. important. What would you say, like to to most of you know the people listening to this? What could they do to help the general climate and also the outside, but also internally? It has to start internally. Izu always says, "You don't do this for anybody else but yourself. You don't do this to save anybody. You do this to save yourself, really." Which I think, when we think about allyship, we think about white people think it means saving people of color, but really, it's about saving white people. <laughs> We're the ones who need the saving, you know, because That's we have sinned a lot. So, reading books, um, watching documentaries, educating yourself, thinking really deeply about everything that you believe, everything that you've been conditioned to believe, thinking about your friend groups, your workplaces, start there. Last night, we started watching a documentary on John Lewis, um, the congressman who just passed away, who was a civil rights leader. It's called Good Trouble. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, but I I'm learning so much, you know, with every new thing that I consume. So. It's so the educational part is the biggest part and, and it actually takes time. It's not, you're not just gonna set aside a weekend and say, I'm gonna follow some anti-racist accounts or some black people on Instagram. It takes them really, it's like, think about it almost like college, you know, spend sev several years um, in the educational process that will change you from the inside out. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say the same. Yeah, you have to educate yourself. And then also I think because we're having this conversation about Judaism and Jewish, the Jewish communities, I think it's important to maybe find a way to find that intersectionality. And there's a lot of people that are doing amazing work to create that dialogue and, you know, to remind one another that like we have to have, especially when it comes to the black community and the Jewish community, we have so much in common. And we, we, we have, we've gone through the same things and we're going through the same things. And there's never a world where like black people are in peace and Jews are not. And there's but, never a world where Jews are in peace and, and like black are not. It's just, it, it goes together. It's, inter, it, it's interconnected and it comes from the same, same roots of hate. And so I just, I just want to like encourage people to find that space. And there's amazing accounts on Instagram uh, that speaks to, to finding that 
intersectionality and having these dialogues and have more compassion from one another. Because I think th these are people that in both sides have suffered a lot of oppression, a lot of discrimination, a lot of like pain, and you are guarded to yourself because you don't want to once again be violated and traumatized. Sometimes we just have to like realize that we're similar and we have to come together. And it breaks my heart when I see things like black actors or black singers or whatever that like are saying anti-Semitic things. And it's just like, it's so bizarre to me because it's like if anyone could see or understand black struggle, it's the Jewish community. And right. I truly believe that 100%. That we're all human beings. We all are here to love and to grow and to be together. And that fear is so irrational and that we have to completely diminish that fear. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's it a does. lot of history yeah. behind these, this fear, you know, from both sides. And I think that yeah. it has to be addressed and it has, people have to be educated and to understanding where this is coming from and who's manipulating these narratives. Right. That's making you think that this is the right. bad guy and this is the guy, this is the good guy. And like, you need to hate him and you need to, you know, like, we have to remember that white supremacy is at the nature of all of these things. Yeah. And um, yeah, you have, to, you have to educate yourself enough to understand that like fighting like that on the ground, you're missing the bigger picture and you have to educate yourself to understand that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a process. Yeah. And that's why these individual one-on-one -on -one conversations are the most powerful and the most impactful for mm -hmm. undoing that. I think, like I was talking about before, like feeling overwhelmed with the challenges, I'm always realizing that it's these conversations that have the most impact. When you can look somebody in the eyes and get to know them and see them as human, the most effective thing that you can do is just talk to people like one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, it's a very individualistic culture here in uh, America. You, you all have to figure it out by your own. And it's mm -hmm. just like, but, but this is showing that in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of everything that's happening, you can't work like that. Like that's why people have a, such a hard time. Like now that schools are closed, everyone's like, what am I going to do with my children? But if we lived in a community that's like, if we lived in a society that's way more community driven, then women would be naturally thinking, hey, what about like you keep the kids today and like I go to work and you know, we, you would, it would come naturally, but now it's like, I'm doing this by myself. I don't know how to work with my neighbor. People live next right. to one another and they don't know each other. Yeah. But we all, but it's like, that's like a mirage because we all really do rely on each other. Yeah, so yeah, much. yeah, for sure. We're interconnected. Right. I find that the less we are connected to ourselves, the less we can connect to other people. Uh -huh. And I think yes. that's the biggest issues in our society is that we're so, there are so many distractions. Everyone's so busy doing stuff, but we just lose sight of actually who we are, what are we here for, what are, what, what are we actually doing? And I think that that disconnection creates great disconnection with other human beings, you know? I think we're afraid of ourselves sometimes. I think we're afraid to get quiet and stay alone and just like sit and think and meditate and be, be silent because we're afraid of what might come up. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I meant by oh, like being with yourself. It's oh, like yeah. working to be alone. That's why a lot of people that I've seen struggling during pandemic, it's like they're, they don't have distraction. Now they're by themselves and right. it has forced them to go into this like forced, intense self-meditation, self-awareness. Right. Kind of like they've had to do it. Otherwise right. they lose their mind.
Because you can only be on Instagram or watching Netflix so much before you're like, okay, enough. Like, I can't look at another screen. Like, I just need to be with myself now. And I think, like, I even see that I've seen in the past six months with, you know, I left my job to do this full time. And then we were hit with the pandemic. I I think about my old schedule, you know, waking up, rushing to work, and then feeling exhausted by work. And then the reward would be like, oh, maybe like I go out to dinner and have this, like a couple glasses of wine. And that felt like such a relief. And, you know, we haven't been able to do those things in the past couple months. And it's, it's funny, I've stopped drinking during this pandemic. And the desire to go out to eat is like, that used to be my favorite thing to do. And I still love to do it. But it's like, I haven't been able to use that as like a reward for something. But I actually feel so much better because it's up to me to like, fill my cup in other ways. I think the pandemic gave people truly a space to, to think about what what they want to do to actually create. You know, especially as women, we have a desire evolutionary and creation. And mm-hmm. I think the pandemic did a really good thing for that yeah. to, mm-hmm. to give That's us back. So that. Right. And I still admire people like you who just like busted out of the like prescribed wow. <laughs> <real> life. <laughs> You know that I'm just so in awe. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I've been in, in kind of like in a space where there was other uh, ultra orthodox women and people, but mainly women that were actually, uh, you know, getting out because they're part of the LGBTQ community and they couldn't obviously. And so I've been in that very, it's this very specific space that's like, it takes so much courage to be able to to come out from such a sheltered and such a safe, you know, that it feels like a safe space because that's the only thing you've known. So, right. I mean, it's pure inspiration when I see someone. That's why when I saw your page, I was just like, wow, this is crazy. And I was just like, I don't know if I would have the, the power to do that because I've, I've grown into a world where I get to do what I want. And like, my parents are super supportive you know I I I told them I was gay they were like okay if you're happy I told them that I want to convert to Judaism and they're like okay if you're happy (laughs) you know I said I'm going to Israel my dad was like bet I got you I'm gonna pay you a ticket go you know so it's like they're so supportive and they're so loving so I've never been in a like in a place where everyone told me what to do and I can't imagine being in a place closed in and say no I'm gonna leave and then having to learn how to live outside and what that means. I mean, I can only, so when I saw, when I discovered you, I was just like, this girl, she's cool. I grew up ultra-Orthodox, but also to Russian parents. And, you know, the sense of, they gave us a beautiful life. They gave us the best life that they felt that they could give us, you know, really devoted and very family-oriented, but very, very controlled. and. I had no sense of self. And I think that it's because of that, because I was truly lacking any identity that, that I had nothing more to lose in a sense, you know, where it was like my, I felt good only as much as I got recognized by my father. Like if he was happy, I was happy. I had no sense of individual happiness. After a while I said, I have nothing to lose because I'm, gravitating towards my true self anyways I don't want all this guilt so it definitely took a lot of work and I'm still working and I still 
deal with, you know, remnants of shame and guilt. But now my real purpose is that it's not about me anymore. It's about sharing this, this power with other, not only women, but even men that are, mm-hmm. that grew up in an indoctrinated environment or, you know, where, where they have no sense of self, where everyone has such an um, enormous amount of power. It's just a matter of connecting. And that's why I love speaking to people like you that are connected to your purpose and are connected to your power. And, and you're doing something that's way beyond just your individual self and you're truly self-actualized and, you know, transcending beyond yourself. So that's, that's always so empowering for me to see. It's a journey. I'm not there. (laughs) (laughs) We're never there. That's so beautiful. That like makes me really emotional. Thank you. I'm very, I'm just very inspired by you too. Yeah, me too. Let me know where our viewers and listeners could find you to learn more about what you do and the amazing work that that you share. Thank you. It's truly been an honor to be here. Mm -hmm. And we would love to meet some of your listeners. They can join us on Instagram at kinswomen underscore podcast or go to kinswomenpodcast.com. That's women plural. And right now we are super excited because we're getting ready to launch our second course, Allyship in Action 101. Starts Wednesday, August 5th. It's over Zoom and it's open to anybody who is serious about being an ally, is looking for a community of fellow allies and wants some tools that they can apply in every area of their life for the rest of their life. So you can sign up at kinswomenpodcast.com or just message us if you have any questions. That's amazing. I love that you give that opportunity. But thank you so much, guys. This was such a pleasure and an honor. Thank you, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Oh My God with Zelda Volkov. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure to leave a review, share it with your friends, and subscribe so that you don't miss next week's episode. Tune in next week for another interview with another badass boss. <laughs>